This week on Gari, also known as Fraser Island, a dingo involved in an attack on a 23-year-old woman on Monday was put down by Queensland Parks and Wildlife Service authorities. The ABC reported that four dingoes were involved in the attack. The one put down had a GPS tracking collar. It's the second time in two months that a dingo has been put down on Gari. Joining us to discuss these events and the wider issue of how two types of animals with the capacity to cause harm, dingoes and humans, coexist, is Dr Bradley Smith, Scientific Director at the Australian Dingo Foundation. And Bradley's also Senior Lecturer at Central Queensland University, where he researches dingoes and the human-animal relationship. Dr Bradley Smith, welcome to Sunday Extra. Thank you. You've worked as a consultant previously on Gari in the management of the dingo population. What was your reaction to the news that one of the dingoes involved in the most recent attack had been put down this week? Yeah, there was many emotions, to be honest. I was surprised that um, so many incidents have been happening and so late in the season, in the dingo season, I mean, as well, because uh, normally incidents happen quite uh, early in the year when it's peak dingo breeding season. So we're getting quite late now. Uh, I was pretty sad um, to hear about, you know, management having to destroy those animals because over the past couple of years, there's been actually no destructions, zero destructions per year um, because the management ha has been working. You know, what, what they've been doing has been effective until now. Yeah, th that's really interesting um, because the Fraser Island Dingo Risk Management Strategy says that euthanasia should be limited uh, and that the aim is to keep it to a minimum. And it should only happen where there's an assessment that the animal's posing an unacceptable risk mm. to human safety based on the history uh, of their behaviour. Do you feel those criteria were met in this case? I mean, I can't really comment, only to say that I trust that the management know those animals, know the mm. situation and the circumstances, and, and they made the call. And they also made the call in collaboration with the Butchula people, which is the traditional owners of Gari. And, you know, together, um, that's what they decided was the best cause of action. So, you know, I support that. Uh, you say you're surprised that there are so many incidents happening. What, what might it be that's causing these incidents to happen, particularly when, if there have been no dingoes put down recently, presumably at some level, the management plan ha had been working better? Yeah, I mean, um, Parks and Wildlife do so much on the island, education, infrastructure. Uh, it really comes down to a people problem. I don't think the dingoes have changed. I think the people have changed. And it might be, and this is just a guess, but it might be post-COVID related. So there was a you know a couple of years where, uh, you know, visitors to the island were kind of minimal. A couple of generations of dingoes had grown up without all that interaction. And people are coming back to travelling are just... I think being a bit carefree, a bit careless in how they are interacting with the wildlife. That, that's interesting because I understand that the animal uh, that was destroyed was relatively young, uh, about two years old, which would put it right in that COVID window, wouldn't it? It certainly would, yeah. And, you know, the dingoes that we know from our research there causing the most problems are the, the younger males. Uh, the younger males, particularly in breeding season when they're, you know, dispersing, trying to find new mates, etc. And so this is like a bit of a period of their lives, a bit like, you know, 20-year-old males, uh, humans running around, you know, um, being aggressive and, and causing trouble and all that adrenaline and testosterone. It's, it's a bit like that's what's happening. And what we've found too with our research is that if you can manage those dingoes through that period of their life, that when they're adults, they don't cause problems as adults. 
So it's really important that we kind of understand that there's these young dingoes being, you know, uh, a bit bold, a bit macho, um, but that all calms down. The ranger in charge of Gari, Linda Berendorf, has rejected calls for any culls or anything like that. From what you're saying, there aren't increased numbers of dingoes, although there may be perhaps a bigger cohort of um, emerging male young dingoes. But I assume that you uh, agree with Linda Berendorf, there's no need for a wider cull? Absolutely. Yeah. We know that culls don't work because culls are a short-term fix so they, they, they're nice politically. You know, it sounds good that we're taking action. We're doing this. We're saving people from dingoes. But it doesn't solve the underlying problem. And the underlying problem here is people. It's the people doing the wrong thing, not adhering to advice, you know, feeding dingoes, getting close to get those nice selfies and causing dingoes to not so much lose their fear, but uh, see people as like deliverers of food or, uh, mm. you know, uh, access to food. On Sunday Extra, we're speaking with Dr. Bradley Smith, Senior Lecturer at Central Queensland University and the Scientific Director of the Australian Dingo Foundation. And Bradley, we've been focusing this discussion on the events on Gari. Are the issues that you've described happening more broadly than just on Gari, Fraser Island? Yeah, there's two types of conflict that happens with dingoes. The, the main one is conflict with livestock, so lots of livestock producers um, experience problems with dingoes or, or the risk uh, of dingoes causing you know, threats to their livestock. So that's kind of a, a an Australia-wide issue. And then with the human-animal conflict stuff, there's a there's a few pockets. And like just recently in in Karajini National Park in WA, Mile Lakes, and uh, in New South Wales, um, Alice Springs, of course, there's there's these pockets of um, highly tourist areas uh, where lots of people go out to visit uh, dingo country. And uh, wherever there's people and wildlife, there's usually conflict. So it's interesting you say wherever there's people and wildlife, there's usually conflict. Does that mean that it is actually hard to control human behaviours if they're around dingoes and really the amount of contact just needs to be limited? Yeah, I mean, humans are the ones that we can manage. Uh, mm. They are the, like, you can't manage wildlife. You can't, you can't tell a dingo, I oh, don't go into this campground because they don't understand boundaries and borders and rules like that. You know, we're killing dingoes for being dingoes. So the best thing to do is to try and manage the people. Uh, I don't know if it's always about limiting the numbers of people. It's it's trying to influence and change the behaviour of the people towards the wildlife. Mm. And uh, it is particularly important, I understand, to preserve the dingoes of Gari. Could you tell us why that is? What's unique and special about the Gari dingoes? Yeah, there's a lot of reasons. The main one is that they're an island population, so they're isolated. And that means that they are a vulnerable population. And at, at low numbers, around 150 dingoes, um, there's a risk of inbreeding and, you know, threats to diseases can wipe them out, et cetera, because they don't, don't have that genetic diversity that you'd want in a, in a healthy population. Um, dingoes are also culturally significant to the bachelor or to Aboriginal people in Australia. And so every time, you know, we kill a dingo for management reasons or, or one dies from a car accident or car strike, uh, it, it's actually killing one of their kin. You know, it's, it's a really significant animal. And the other thing is that, you know, culling dingoes kind of ignores the human role in all this happening, all these events. Mm. You know, we are we are the ones who are 
leading the dingoes to to do this behavior. So it's not the dingoes' fault, if that makes sense. And the last thing is that dingoes are protected on the island. So the island has like a world heritage listing, which hmm. part of that was the dingo being being one of the interesting natural historical things on the island. And uh, and it's also uh, a national park where dingoes are protected as well. So so culling really is a last resort in terms of the legislation as well. Yes, and, and Queensland Parks and Wildlife uh, reports that the dingo on Gari may become the purest strain of dingo on the eastern Australian seaboard and perhaps even Australia-wide. So obviously uh, an important part of the world heritage that needs to be preserved on Gari. Uh, Bradley, your PhD research explored dingo cognition. I must admit I hadn't um, done much cognition about dingo cognition. Uh, what can you tell us about the mind of a dingo? Yeah, it's fascinating getting into the the space of a dingo's head and getting a perspective of how they see the world. Uh, dingoes are really fascinating. They're they're really intelligent and adaptable and resilient. So that's kind of the first thing that kind of stood out. Lots of my work involved comparing dingoes, dogs, and wolves, and um, to look at kind of evolutionary domestication influences. And you see that in all the outcomes, really, that dingoes are more like a wolf or a true wild caner than they are a domestic dog. Uh, is a part of the issue here that people who see dingoes mistake them as just another dog? Absolutely, yeah. Dingoes are really small. They're you know, not much higher than our knee, and they look, look very much like a dog. And I think people don't have that natural respect um, for dingoes as an apex predator, as a carnivore, that they might when they go to other places in the world like Africa or you know, the Rocky Mountains. And so that's part of the issue. Like when people are sunbaking on the beach on Gari, you know, there's dingoes walking around, but they don't have any concept that they could get hurt by that dingo. And you've covered uh, all these issues extensively in a book about the dingo debate. What are the main aspects of the dingo debate, Bradley? Oh, everything about the dingo is up for debate. <laughs> you know, whether it be when the dingoes arrived in Australia, whether they're good for the environment whether they are domesticated or not, whether they're native or not, um, just so much. Even what we call them taxonomically is uh, debatable. So, uh, yeah, they're, a con they're probably the most controversial Australian species that we have, to be honest. Well, it's been fascinating discussing them with an expert. Dr Bradley Smith, thanks so much for joining us on Sunday Extra. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. That's Bradley Smith, Scientific Director of the Australian Dingo Foundation, Senior Lecturer at Central Queensland University. And Bradley's got extensive publications on dingoes, including the CSIRO published book, The Dingo Debate. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.